Welcome to the Be Body Empowered podcast. I am your host and functional nutrition and lifestyle practitioner, Jessica Vargas. This podcast was inspired by a passion to empower highly ambitious women in realizing their full potential to step into a powerful and thriving lifestyle through mastering their own health. It is my intention with each episode to educate and inspire you to take bite-sized steps to improve your well-being, reverse chronic illness, and create self-advocacy one body system at a time. When a woman feels good in and about her body, her potential is limitless and the ripple effects expand beyond imagination. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Well, hello and welcome back. This is episode 12 and part two of our PMS series. So in the last episode, if you haven't listened to that, you don't have to go back and listen to it right now, but I would recommend that you do just so you can get the entire picture of why PMS is occurring in your body. Okay, so in part one, I talked about what drives PMS symptoms and tough periods and explain how you can use your period as a barometer for knowing if you're on the right track in your health. So often, one of the first of many things that my clients notice when they start implementing the recommendations that we're working on together is that their their periods become just overall better. Now this can take time, but things like ovulating around the same time when before maybe ovulation was kind of sporadic or maybe cramping is less or pre uh pre-period acne as is gone or um, the fatigue is not as bad. There are certain instances around the around your period where you can tell if the body is healing. So we talked a lot about that in part one. In part two, which is today, I'm going to go over the nutrition and lifestyle recommendations that have not only helped myself, but also my clients experience effortless periods. Like we always thought we were supposed to be just bent over and in so much pain. This was normal and it's not normal. It's common, but it's not normal. So I'm excited to dive in. Before we get to the juicy details of, you know, what we could do as women to support our menstruation, I just want to go over those signs and symptoms again of what PMS really is. And because there's such a wide net of PMS, let's talk a little bit about what those are just as a refresher. So number one, I think everyone deals with, or at least most people have dealt with, is cravings. Like where's the chocolate? Where's the chips? Where's the cookies? You know, if you're at a party, normally you can um, talk yourself out of having that cupcake when you're on your period, it seems like, or when you're going, you know, a week or so away from your period, it's like, you almost use that as an excuse. Like, oh, I'm PMSing. Don't act like you haven't. I know you have. So cravings are a big one. Or just that feeling of like, no matter how much you eat, you're not full. Like you just feel like you can eat the entire bag of potato chips, plus a hamburger, plus the fries, plus the cake. And it's like, there's this little tiny beast inside of you that just won't stop eating. We've all been there. Not to mention the mind-numbing headaches um, or maybe even migraines. If you have a history of migraines, you know when your period's coming because those little migraines start popping up again. Uh, The exhaustion, right, where you just like 
you haven't even started your period yet and you feel like you're just crawling from one task to the next. For me, I remember breast swelling and pain, like tenderness. Like I can, it's almost like, have you ever watched Mean Girls where she squeezes her breasts to know if the rain's going to come? <laughs> it, for me, it was like if my, if my breasts were sore at all, I knew that I was moments away or a couple days away from getting my period. And that's the other thing I wanted to bring up is um, it's, again, becoming more of a practice, but not very common, tracking your menstrual cycle. For years, probably up until even a year ago, and I'm 38, um, I never knew really when I was going to have my period. You know, you go to the doctor and they say, when was your last period? And you're like, shit, man, I don't freaking remember like the day of your last menstrual cycle. Um, I, I, I mean, even when I was pregnant through my two pregnancies and you have to you know, answer that question so they can kind of guess your due date. I was always like, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. It, it comes when it wants, it leaves when it wants. And I, from that point, I could care less about it, right? Like just go away, period. Now I'm very aware of when I'm going to. At first, it cre the creating the awareness started with tracking. I use tracking apps. And I know there's some concern about putting your period on a tracking app just due to the recent current events of women's healthcare. But um, at the end of the day, I really, you know, I'm, I'm out of the phase of life where I'm having children. So for me, it's not a concern for the world to know what day I'm ovulating. Um, with that said, I started with tracking my period because I was curious um, of, you know, how long my period cycle was or if, you know, predicting my period really did make a difference or if I could tie some of my symptoms to certain parts of my cycle. And so, you know, I was skeptical at first. I'm like, well, do I really need a tr one more thing to track, right? It's really easy though. You put in literally the, the day you menstruate in these apps um, and it helps calculate on average where you are in your cycle. So it kind of does the work for you. You just need one, one cycle in order to do it. Um, and then eventually I started connecting how I felt to the phase of my cycle and starting to pay a little more attention to the ebbs and flows of the hormonal shifts. And then eventually you start timing your eating. You start noticing when, you know, when you should push forward with exercise, when you should pull back with exercise. And I'm going to tie some of this into today, talking about the nutritional side and the lifestyle side that can really help you modulate, um, that your, your PMS and modulate just your cycle, have more effortless periods. And then just to round out those symptoms, right? Digestive issues. I don't know about you, but it's like all of a sudden everything just runs through me when I'm on my period, or at least that's, that's what it was like. And I have ulcerative colitis. So anything that changes from a hormonal perspective or an inflammatory perspective definitely can trigger my ulcerative colitis. So it's always like, oh yeah, mama period, right? Like I'm either constipated or everything's running through me. It's never a fun it's never a fun story from a digestive perspective. And then of course, cramps and then that lower back pain where you just feel like someone like is literally holding a knife inside your back and it's just there. And so all of these symptoms, you know, all, oh, the mood swings too, right? I always forget about the mood swings. Like I want to bite my husband's head off. He just has to look at me wrong. And I'm like, get out of my face, right? Like, why did I even marry you? <laughs> like we've all been there where we're like psychos um, and the bloating and the water retention and all the things, right? And so for, I want to say 35 years of my life, okay, maybe not that long. I got my period when I was 12. So 15 years plus of my life. That week or week plus, always just sucked. It's like 
I can't be in a bikini. Um, I'm going to feel like crap. Like I'm going to feel tired. And, and it's kind of like we've been taught as women that we just should be, we should bulldoze it. We should not let our periods hold us back. And so there's this, you know, not only are you feeling like shit, but now you have this societal pressure of, um, you know, you should still be able to show up the way you would outside of the fact that you're bleeding, right? Um, you should be able to perform on, um, you know, if you're a runner or if you were, you know, playing volleyball as a kid or you're a competitive sport, right? Like you should be able to show up and almost, almost like we wanted to be able to show up and just kill it, right? And as if there was nothing going on in our bodies. And while, while I'd say that I was one of those people and I still am like I'm doing my best so that I can show up 110% every single day of my life. But there's just part parts of our, um, of our cycle, parts of our life where we have to dial back intensity. We have to be more cognizant of what's going on in our body. But with that said, it's like, we all just assumed that these symptoms were, you know, God's gift to us as women. And while during menstruation, your body does require some additional self-love. These symptoms are common, but not normal. You're not supposed to feel like the, you know, um, giant state puff, state puff marshmallow uh, on your period. You're not supposed to feel like someone ran you over with a truck. You're not supposed to feel like there's a tiny beast inside of you that just wants to eat everything and there's absolutely no control, no willpower. You're not supposed to feel like you know, you're six months pregnant because of bloat and just overall grossness. You're not supposed to feel that way. Um, those are all signs that our doctors did not tell us are an underlying um, issue of either hormonal imbalance, uh, GI disruption, inflammation. Um, we were chalked up as, oh, here's a pill, take this. And other than that, welcome to womanhood. It's infuriating. It's infuriating that we have had to live our lives this way. The good news is things are changing. People are waking up. There's so much more education on the internet now. This is probably not the first time you've heard that it's it's common but not normal. And I'm so happy that if you are listening to this podcast, you are you are educating yourself so that you can get out of this cycle of hell with menstruation. So as we talked about last time, just a quick reminder, common causes of PMS, common causes of irregular periods, ex excess estrogen, okay? And that can come from a variety of areas of where excess estrogen is coming into the body, environmental exposures to chemicals like through our cosmetics and cleaning products and, um, you know, plastics, um, things like organo, um, chlorines, pesticides, that sort of thing, right? Or environmental exposures. Nutrient deficiencies from mild digestion, um, from dysbiosis, from leaky gut, adrenal fatigue. So having any type of issues with adrenal stress, uh, stress in general, blood sugar imbalance, obviously, which is the base of that hormonal pyramid, um, crappy sleep due to a myriad of reasons, issues with mood because of low serotonin, okay? And that could be tied to the gut as well. And then just in general, our nutrition, inflammatory foods, excess caffeine, excess alcohol, all of these things um, matter when you are dealing with PMS. And some of these things are just cyclical, right? Like you drink alcohol, you eat like shit, you eat the foods that make you, you know, initially feel good and then make you feel like crap later because you feel like crap. 
right? Comfort foods. Um, you use alcohol because you're stressed. You want to unwind, right? So some of these things are intertwined and it's very circular and bi-directional of why we make the habits, our choices that we make because we just physically don't feel well. And while short-term they make us feel better, long-term it's just compounding. So let's get into some of the, the tips. Um, and I'm not going to go over everything that's exhaustive because I definitely don't want to overwhelm you with where to start. I really want to give you just a couple of ways to handle yourself from a lifestyle perspective and a couple of ways to handle yourself from a nutritional perspective. And then, of course, if these resonate, you try them and you feel somewhat of a shift and you want more, that's where I want you to come to me and let's talk about a personalized plan for you. So lifestyle, ways that you can support yourself to reduce the symptoms of PMS. And really what these are, these are ways that are going to support the root cause to why you have PMS. And one of those ways is taking exercise and looking at it through the lens of, am I overdoing it or am I underdoing it? Usually with the women I work with, they're one or the other. <laughs> We're very extreme. We're very black and white. It's very all or nothing in this in this realm of women that I work with because I attract that. I have that personality. So things like gentle yoga. If you're dealing with PMS cramping, physical symptoms with PMS, um, things like twisting, gentle twist, legs up the wall, one of my favorites, right? Think about it. If you put your legs up the wall, you're literally forcing the blood to move back towards your abdomen and the red blood cell, you know, lymph fluid is, is just incredible to help with moving the toxins, moving the inflammation that's causing the PMS to happen out of the body. Um, things like any type of twisting poses, like I said, bound angles, another one. So gentle yoga can be wonderful, especially if you're the type that is, you know, never miss a day of workout, working out an orange theory or lifting heavy weights or doing a ton of cardio, doing high intensity interval training, making sure that you are modulating the exercise. And then on the flip side, Let's say you're sedentary. Let's say you sit most of the day because you're working or you haven't been able to pick up an exercise regimen that you can stick to, or maybe you really just have hated moving your body. Start small. So walking. Walking, even though we feel like shit or we're tired, is one of the best things that you can do, not only to support just your overall mood, but when you move your body, you use up the glucose that's in your cells. You, you use up the glucose that's in your bloodstream, which is going to help with the insulin issues going on. If you are eating carby foods, if you are overindulging because you feel like crap and you want that really, you know, comforting foods, moving your body is going to help just use up that glucose. It's also going to help you move lymph fluid. Okay. So I love to give this analogy. We have a heart. Our heart is a muscle. It helps pump blood throughout the body. We do not have a muscle to help support lymph. Our lymph system is a passive system where our blood system, our cardiovascular system is not. It has a heart, like I said. So we don't have this muscle to help move the lymph fluid. So we have to do it ourselves through exercise, through massage, through jumping up and down, um, through other type uh, ways like skin brushing, um, infrared saunas, right? There's other ways for us to make sure that we are in charge of moving lymph. So walking is going to help with moving lymph. This is going to help with bringing inflammation down, um, ushering toxins out of the body. It's going to help obviously too with cortisol production, stress, which again is very multifactorial. It's very bi-directional with inflammation in the body, which again can lead to worse PMS. So 
exercise, moving your body and modulating your exercise in a way that's going to help uh, support lymph flow. It's going to help support bringing down inflammation, bringing down the stress response. All of that is going to just be mm, beautiful for for combating PMS and focusing on the root of why, like I said, we have PMS. Um, sleep. Sleep's a big one. You might be rolling your eyes right now because you probably hear about this a lot, right? But I would love for you to just take a moment and kind of take, take a quick check. How is sleep for you? Are you sleeping minimum seven to nine hours? Um, okay, maybe you are. Do you wake up feeling refreshed? Do you... Uh, feel like you have sustained energy throughout the day. At three o'clock, two, three, four o'clock, you're not needing coffee or sugar or feeling like you're reaching for a snack or something like because the energy is starting to dip. Um, do you sleep throughout the entire night, right? Or are you waking up between two and 4 a.m.? Or do you find yourself waking up often to pee because you think that's why you wake up, right? Like this is where we start to troubleshoot sleep. Sleep is one of the literally a pillar. So in my practice, there's three non-negotiables and there's a podcast episode on this. I think it's episode two or three. It's a non-negotiable trifecta. There's sleep, there's poop and blood sugar balance as a, at a basic level. Okay. And so if sleep's not good, we do not move forward. Now we're always working to improve sleep, um, in partnership, but if we're not working on sleep, we do not, we do not move forward. And so basics with sleep, things like getting in bed by 10 PM, there's a lot of studies that show if you push your bedtime beyond 11, that's when you might have trouble with your circadian rhythms. You might have trouble with your insulin and your growth hormone response. Um, this is where things like you wake up the next day and all you want to do is eat the entire house um, or you wake up the next day and you feel like all you want is carbs, right? So bed by 10 um, so that your liver has an opportunity to cleanse the body so that your body has an opportunity to reset from the day before. And seven is minimum, I would say. Optimal is that eight to nine. Everybody, depending too on the age, everybody needs a little bit different level of sleep. And so I like that seven to nine range because there's no hard and fast rule. Um, you really have to play around with what works best for you. Okay, so exercise and sleep, two of the biggest ways that you can support yourself from a non-food perspective with PMS symptoms. Let's move on to nutrition. So one of the easiest ways that you can start immediately, theoretically, especially if you have a grocery haul coming up, is eat as organic as possible. Okay, lots of organic veggies, lots of organic um, low glycemic fruits. I say low glycemic fruits because when you add a lot of sugar to the body, and I love bananas, and I love a good pear, and I love a good mango and papaya, and and uh, you know pineapple. But if those are your staple fruits, often compared to like a lower glycemic fruit like a green apple or a blueberry or blackberry or ra uh, raspberry. And unfortunately, you're, you're stepping into the higher sugar realm, which can impact blood sugar and therefore impact your PMS symptoms. Organic, because studies have shown that if you use conventional produce, um, those pesticides have an inflammatory response in the body. They can affect insulin resistance. They can affect your... Um, your estrogen, so they can increase estrogen in the body, creating estrogen dominance because if estrogen is higher than progesterone in the wrong ratio, you then might have, again, more issues with PMS, more issues with your menstrual cycle. And so if organic vegetables and fruits are not something that you can do 
all the time, you can consider the Dirty Dozen and Clean 15. Just go to ewg.com. Um, it's the Environmental Working Group. And they have a amazing list of the vegetables and fruits where it's kind of like a must-have. Like if you if you don't have the budget to buy everything organic, or maybe you go to a store where they don't have a ton of organic and they have mostly non-organic conventional, you have this list of, okay, here are the items where I must have to buy. Like for instance, strawberries. Strawberries usually end up on the, like the top of the please buy organic list because they're highly permeable and shown to have the most pesticide penetration from a non-conventional or a conventional way of farming. Um, so lots of organic veggies and fruits, okay? You want the, the liquid, the, the, you know, the high fiber content, like you can't go wrong in those areas. Do pay attention though to your fruit intake, it does matter. The second piece of that that I, I mean, there's a, there's a few. I'm actually gonna go with three nutrition pieces. There's a lot, but these are the ones that I'd say, if you're gonna do anything, do these, okay? The second piece um, of, I guess this is kind of like a sub bullet, right? Is high quality protein. So along with the organic vegetables and fruits, do your best to go with uh, grass fed, grass finished beef, organic poultry, um, you know, cage free, free range eggs. Why? Biggest reason why? There's a lot of reasons, but the biggest reason why, and you want to go with the quality of food. Think about quality of food over anything. When it comes to animal proteins. Animal proteins, I stand by. I feel that animal proteins should be a part of the diet. Um, but the quality of animal proteins matter. Let's take beef, for instance. A lot of people are really worried about the saturated fat in beef and feel that beef's a reason because everyone's cholesterol is high. I disagree. Honestly, the cholesterol piece, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot there. We can have a whole entire podcast on cholesterol and I plan to, but really it comes down to the fat content in the animal protein that can be problematic for conventionally raised cattle. They usually use, if not always grain, they're grain fed, they're grain fed cattle. Okay. They're, or maybe it's a mixture of grain fed and grass. The grain unfortunately is high in those steer or the linoleic acid. Okay. It's high in omega-6s and the, the profile of the fat is just not great for you. The, the actual tissues, the, the red meat is not the issue. It's the fat content that poses the problem. So when you eat grass fed, grass finished, you're not getting the, um, the same type of fat, you're getting more stearic acid omega-9s than the omega-6s. And that's why we say higher quality. Same thing with poultry. If it's non-organic, they're more than likely, and and they're more than likely using obviously um, grain-fed type type products. They're also potentially injecting these animals with antibiotics, which those antibiotics absolutely can transfer to your body. Again, leading to excess estrogen, gut issues. So those two, I would say, are number one is the quality of your food. Okay. And then I would go with the second bullet of that is just like I mentioned a little bit earlier is low glycemic. Okay. Low glycemic, not necessarily low carbohydrate. There is a difference. Low glycemic. And I wouldn't focus necessarily on the glycemic index, which you can Google, but more so the glycemic load. Why the load's important is because load takes into an account the fiber content in the food that you're eating. So for instance, a banana Again, it's fruit. I get it. It's natural sugars, but there's very little fiber content in a banana. So it's going to hit your bloodstream incredibly fast. And unfortunately, if you have other inflammatory issues going on in the body, which most people do if they have PMS, 
um, that's just adding to the inflammatory load. Okay. Even though, even though it's natural sugar, you have to think of your body as a bucket and your, your body has only so much inflammation it can hold, right? Eventually it starts to overflow. So instead of like a banana, you could think about a raspberry or a blueberry, complete opposite ends of the glycemic load spectrum. Okay. So eating more low glycemic, instead of eating white rice, white potatoes, um, you know, breads, pastas, think about more whole foods in the grains, things that have, again, more fiber content. So quinoa, brown rice, um, you know, winter squashes, root vegetables, these types of things outside of white potatoes. And this is not for everybody. If you have digestive issues on top of the PMS, meaning you you have an IBD, you have IBS, right? You have gastritis, you have something going on just from a GI perspective. These types of grains might actually do more harm than good. So again, everything is very individual. I wish I could do it all, <laughs> all on a podcast, but I can't. That's where the individual care needs to come into place. So we have to make sure we're doing individual, um, we're, we're considering the individual here and not just you know, going ham on brown rice. If your body can't break it down and digest it, you're going to feel it and not feel good. And that's going to increase inflammation and it's going to increase premenstrual issues. Okay. So lower glycemic diet definitely is going to help bring down inflammation. It's going to help um, with reducing the bad guys in the gut microbiome. And when you can modulate inflammation at the end of the day, you're going to feel a huge difference in inflammation. Additionally, it's going to help with blood sugar balance, okay? The lower glycemic you eat, the less your body is having these excess sugars circulating the body and overall, again, reducing inflammation, okay? So those are probably the top ones. Like I said, there's a ton more, but I don't want to over uh, overwhelm you with what you can do today that will absolutely um, make a huge difference in how you're going to turn around your premenstrual syndrome. So that you have it. Lifestyle, food. There's also supplements that you could consider taking if necessary. Um, I, you know, it's again, very individual. One area that I feel that most people should be uh, taking is a magnesium supplement. And why I feel that way is because our soil is depleted, okay? Our soil is depleted um, and magnesium is used in over 300 enzymatic processes in the body, okay? Third reason too is um, insulin is a magnesium waster. So every time you eat and insulin comes out, you actually, you know, waste some of that magnesium through your urinary system, uh, through peeing. And so it doesn't just hang out in the body. It, uh, it gets wasted pretty easily, especially if you're having blood sugar regulation, you're spiking your blood sugar, you're dropping, you're spiking, you're dropping, right? Then you absolutely could benefit from a magnesium supplement. That is going to round out this podcast. Of course, like I said, there's so much more that you can do to affect how you express PMS. You have irregular periods or if, you, if you've had hard periods your whole life, if you struggled with PCOS, um, these, are, these are going to be supportive. If you're looking for more support, if you, if you know you need the accountability, if you know you need the step-by-step, if you know you need it overlaid on your personal body and your personal health story, I invite you to come and talk to me over on Instagram at bebodyempowered and let me hear your story. Let's just chat. Let's see if you would be a good fit for one-on-one care. And either way, there's a ton of resources, free resources over at um, Be Body Empowered Instagram. Um, So please do visit me over there and let's chat.
I hope this was super helpful for you. I look forward to delivering very high uh, value podcasts and I hope you have an incredible day. Don't forget to rate the podcast and put that little reminder on so you know when I drop episodes, which is usually every Friday um, in two-week intervals. Take care.